Yeah, you got to have a, a good, you know, tool belt of jokes, right? So I have, as most of you guys know, I have a 10-year-old, a 6-year-old, a 3-year-old, and then a new baby. Hopefully, like, in the next week, right, Um So anytime we go for a car ride, there's always, like, you know, 15 minutes, half an hour of knock-knock jokes. And it's the kids saying the same joke over and over and over and over again. And then they ask me, daddies, tell me a joke. And I have the exact same joke every single time. And do we all have a joke that you just never get sick of? Or is it just me? Like this, this joke, I can tell it over and over and over again. And I never get tired of it. Does anybody know the Rocky movies? That's when everybody puts up their hands because it's good, right? Um, it's a knock-knock joke. It's like, knock-knock, who's there? Actually, it's not a knock-knock joke. That's how we always started off. It's like, you can tune a fish, but you can't tune a piano, right? So anyways, I'm going to save that for another time. Um, I think part of the fun I have with jokes is that I butcher them and do them so bad that they end up becoming funny because I just did so bad trying to tell it. Uh, so if you know me really well, you know that's just how I am. And that's my sense of humor, okay? So I just bless you guys this morning just to laugh at my silly jokes. Just have fun this morning, okay? Because God is good, all right? That's right. So this morning, I wanted to talk about the, the power we have over the enemy. All right, so the power we have over the enemy. In the New Testament, we can clearly see that we're at war, right? John 10.10, there is an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. 1 Peter 5, uh, 5.8 says, Stay alert, watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. And be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. So who's the devil? Most scholars will all agree that the devil is an archangel full of pride, sin, got casted down from heaven, right? The Bible refers to the devil as the accuser, the liar, okay? So in our lives, when we fail at something, right, there's always, I shouldn't say always, but quite often you hear those words that are you surprised that you failed, right? There's these accusations that are quick to pop up in your life, right? When there's these lies that really you're not good enough to do that. You know, really you're no different, right? Did God really do that? Do we all struggle with that from time to time? Or is it just me? It's not just me, right? Good. I heard that from somebody over there. Uh, so the enemy tries to plant these seeds of doubt in our life, right? Doubt makes us question God's goodness, his faithfulness, all right? Discouragement makes you look like the problems are bigger than God. You know, I've, I definitely had that struggle from time to time in my life, more than I like to admit that. It's like I look at the problems more than I look at God. And, you know, if you're into mountain climbing and all that kind of stuff, like, to me, some of my problems are, like, the size of Mount Everest. And God's, like, you know, the size of an ant or something like that, you know? I'm looking at the size of my problem way more than I'm looking at God, who is so much bigger than my problems, right? The enemy likes to make us feel defeated. He likes to make you feel like you're a failure so that you never try, right? You won't even pick up that hockey stick and try to play hockey because he's like, Adam, you're just, 
You're just not talented enough to do it, right? So my question for you guys this morning is who's setting your agenda? Okay, so I want you to ask yourself that question. Even as you leave here this morning, who is setting your agenda? Proverbs 23, 7, it says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is, right? So what's ever in your heart is going to manifest outward. Okay, so if in my heart I'm full of fear, full of rejection, full of shame, right? Those kind of things are all going to start to come out. One way or another, they're going to come out. I've shared this story several times here about my parents getting a divorce, right? So just a small little blurb of that is when my parents got a divorce, I just took on these, this feeling that I'm a burden to everybody. It wasn't necessarily something that my parents said over me, but it was just something that I naturally picked up on as a child. You know, that Adam, you're a burden, right? I'm the reason that my mom left, right? It was this attack of the enemy. It was this lie from the enemy at a young age that I believed, you know? So my parents divorced when I was 14, and I carried that when Amy met me. And when I was 19, 20? Uh, so like five, six years of my life, I carried that burden of feeling like I was a burden to everybody I met. And so the problem with that is that I never got close to people, right? So I was just like, in my work and stuff like that, I was always nice, I was always friendly, I was always that nice guy, you know, but I never allowed people to get close to me because I would feel I was a burden to them. I'm like, I have nothing to offer, I'm not going to be a good friend, right? All these negative things, that's always what I, I struggled with for six years of my life. You know, and, and praise God when I became a Christian, you know, and through time of school and ministry and getting healed up, getting my heart healed up, you know, God deleted that part, you know. He got rid of that, cleansed that part about me, right? But it's a big struggle for a lot of people, those lies that we believe. You know, when Amy and I were in the school of ministry, we had a, or I had a small group of guys, right? And one of these guys, he was in the British Army. He was in the front lines during the whole big Iraq war going on. And pretty much every day when he was going into the front lines, they would tell him, you have an 80% chance today that you are not going to make it. Right? And you think about what does that do to you? What does that do to your heart? Right? When you're told day after day that there's a 20% chance that you're going to walk out of this today. So... He's an, he was an amazing guy. He came into my small group, you know, young guy, but had no sort of emotions, right? Very quiet, very timid kind of guy. You know, you try to kind of ask him questions, but again, he wouldn't let you in, right? Because he learned through all those years that he just had to shut himself off. You know, he was a stone. He was a rock, you know, and he would smile from time to time, but it was that quick smile, and then it stopped, right? And all of a sudden, you could see this kind of, this fear about him again, right? So anyways, being at school ministry, one day, Kathy Harris, who's one of the school leaders there, she was doing a message, she was doing ministry, and it was basically, long story short, it was just like, how does, how does God view you, right? And so we'd close our eyes, and we'd pray about it, and some students would get a picture of how God viewed them, right? And so he got this picture of how God, or how he viewed himself in God's eyes, and he was really, really tiny, you know, he was really shut off. He was just kind of like a speck to God, right? He didn't feel like he was worthy or anything like that. And then all of a sudden, he starts crying. And he starts to see himself, how God sees him. And the transformation that happened that day was absolutely remarkable. You know, you hear those stories about, this is how this person used to be. This is how they are today. And like, he was a totally different guy. 
you know, laughing, smiling, had a hope, had a future all of a sudden. You know, our small groups, he changed dramatically. All of a sudden, he wanted to share. He wanted to talk, right? And just to be able to be a part of that and see that transformation in his life was absolutely remarkable. You know, and then after school and ministry, actually uh, went on to become a motivational speaker, uh, which is absolutely incredible because this guy, again, did, when he first came to school, he was like, don't, I don't want to get up and talk in front of people. Like, that's the last thing I want to do, right? And then when I saw that he became a motivational speaker for quite a while, I was just like, come on, God. Like, it was incredible. So in Matthew and, and Mark, we read about the Great Commission, okay? That God has commissioned each and every one of us, right, to do what? Heal the sick and, and make disciples, right? Preach the good news. All right, so we've all been commissioned to do that. Amen? Look to the person beside you and say, you've been commissioned. All right? So part of our authority as believers is that we have been commissioned, okay? When you get a job, you all of a sudden, you'll have an authority over something, right? Okay? When we've been commissioned, now we have authority over the enemy, okay? And then in Luke 24, 49, it says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. So up to that point, the disciples were, were working under the umbrella of Jesus, right? So when they went out, they were under Jesus' umbrella, going out, healing the sick, and all those kind of things, doing it in Jesus' name. Now that Jesus was leaving, he's telling the disciples, just wait here, right? Just wait until you have that Holy Spirit encounter. So our authority comes as believers, as being commissioned, our power comes from our encounters with the Holy Spirit. And that's when we all shout amen, right, Garland? Our power comes from those Holy Spirit encounters. Who wants more of those, that in their life? I do, right? So look at the person next to you. If there's nobody next to you, look at me and say more Holy Spirit over them right now. More Holy Spirit, more encounters. More encounters. Why can't we pray halfway through a message or at the start of a message, right? Why not? Okay, so the big thing I want to get across this morning is that, yes, there's the enemy. He's after our heart. He's after our soul. He's after our mind, okay? But the big thing I want to get across this morning is that we don't cower in fear, right? We don't live a life full of fear of what the enemy is going to do to me. When's that next attack going to happen, Right? because we have all authority and power through Jesus. James 4, 7, it says, resist and flee. Both of those words should bring us courage this morning. They should build up your spirit this morning. So Peter doesn't tell us how to resist the enemy there. He's just saying resist and he'll flee, right? But he doesn't tell us how to resist. But Paul does in Ephesians, okay? So we're going to look at Ephesians uh, six. It's the, the armor of God here. So it's Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. So I'm going to read it out for you guys. But if you have your Bibles, open up to it. Or your phones. You can bring it up on your phone. Because it's, if you're one of those people that like to highlight your Bibles, it's one of those ones got like 20 different colors because it's so good. Okay? All right. 
So it says, verse 10 here, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Look to the person next to you and say, put on the full armor of God. Full. Highlight that word full for me, okay? Full of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the, e- of the evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on your full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you, will, which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I declare fearlessness as I should, fearlessly as I should. All right, so a few things we want to highlight this morning. It says, be strong, right at the start of that, right? Be strong or be strengthened in who? In our power? No, in God's mighty power. So if you've been trying to fight the enemy by yourself, chances are it's not going to go over so well, is it? Am I the only one guilty of doing that? I've tried to do that many times over and over again. And you think at the age of 28, I would be good at it, you know? I'm, I'm a little older than 28. But still, you know, I need a smack across the back of my head sometimes. God's strength, all right? And then I highlighted that full part. You know, it's repeated in verse 11 and then again in verse 13. Put on the full armor of God. Right? If we're only putting on part of the armor, how good is that going to be? It's not going to be very good, is it? We've got to put on the full armor because if we're leaving ourselves open, you know, if you don't have your breastplate on, guess what? You have this huge area of your life where you're vulnerable to an attack. Okay? And then in verse 12, we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against the evils of the world. You can write down 2 Kings chapter 6, 8 through 16, I believe it is. Uh, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it for you guys this morning. But it's a great story in the Old Testament. And it's uh, basically, it's uh, the prophet Elisha. All right? He's been, uh, there's the king Aram. And he's just been like trying to attack the Israelites and stuff like that. But Elisha keeps getting these words from God, like telling the king of Israel, like, don't go there, don't go there because there is a trap waiting for you, right? And the king is just like, what's going on? Who's a traitor in my, my army here? And one of the guys are like, nobody's a traitor. It's this prophet Elisha. He's, he's telling the king where, where we are. Right, and it's—I think it's the first part in the Bible where it's the first story in the Bible where there's phone tapping going on, because it's just like Elisha knows what's going on before anybody else does, right? So the king of Iran, he's just like, man, what's what? Somebody's telling somebody something, you know, because this isn't right. Okay, 
But anyways, the king finds out where Elisha is. So he sends an army there. They're like, let's take care of this guy. He keeps ruining my plans. This isn't good. So he surrounds Elisha, right? And so Elisha has his servant with him. They open up the tent. They get up in the morning. They open up the tent. And the servant's just like, oh, my goodness, we're surrounded by an army. An army. And there's only the two of us, right? And Elisha's all like, that's all good. He's just got his, his cup of coffee here this morning, you know, and his nice thermos. He's just like, what are you afraid of, you know? He doesn't say that, but I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing. But it's just like, he's all calm, cool, and collective. And his servant's just like freaking out here, as I would be too. Like, we're surrounded. What are we going to do? And it's beautiful because Elisha doesn't get mad at him. He's not like, where's your faith? But he prays for him. He prays that his eyes would be open to see what he sees. And God answers that prayer. The servant opens his eyes, and what does he see? He sees an army of chariots with fire on his side, right? There's so much going on that we don't see, right? And that's a taste of it right there. And I'm not going to keep going into the story, but again, read the rest of the story because a lot of us, you know, when we think of the Old Testament, we think that, like, everybody just gets wiped out. Everybody gets killed all the time. But there's an amazing story of, of mercy in there. Uh, so I'm not going to tell you the rest of it, so you got to go home and read that today. Okay? Because, I'm again, I'm a really nice person. Um, the belt of truth, okay? So we get into the actual armor now, okay? The belt of truth. The Romans, their belt was, uh, from what I've read anyways, is about six to eight inches wide, okay? So it's, it's a thick belt, and that belt would carry all their armor on it, okay? So the belt of truth, extremely important. The devil tries to fight lies that sound like truth a lot of times, okay? So we have to have that belt of truth wrapped around us at all times. The breastplate of righteousness, What's the most important thing that you steward? Okay, here's another question. I got lots of questions for you this morning. What's the, what's the main thing that you steward? Most guys would probably say their job, right? And then you have that loving spouse sitting beside you. She would give you an elbow, and she'd be like, your family, smack, right? But really, it's our hearts, okay? The thing we steward most is our heart, and that breastplate is what would protect their vital organs, right? That breastplate goes the top of their chest, protects their heart in battle. Um, it was made of bronze, so obviously very heavy, okay? And Satan's obviously after our hearts, okay? Because again, whatever lies within your heart is going to manifest outwards. So again, if I'm believing all these lies and those lies are filling up my heart, again, those are the things that I'm going to see, right? So again, he is after your heart. The shield of faith, the Roman shields, again, about four feet high, two and a half feet wide, curved shields. It's a big shield. Uh, and it was, their shield was like, you know, an essential for them. And the integrity of their shield was extremely important. Okay, so after battle, so in between battles, they, what would they do? They would go and plug up any holes that were in their shields. Okay, they'd make sure at all times that that shield was, was good, was going to be able to stand up in battle right? And how good is our shields this morning? If your shield has holes in it that you haven't fixed yet, and when you go into battle again, how good is that shield going to be? It's going to be a bit weak, isn't it? So my, my courage for you this morning, my word for you this morning is to deal with that shield now, 
before you're in the battle, right? So if you have holes in your faith right now, right, don't wait for the battle to start trying to figure it out. Don't wait for that battle like, oh man, I really need to fix this, right? And start to do something about it today. Thank you. I was going to get you guys. Helmet of salvation, okay? Our greatest victory is knowing that we have eternal life in heaven, right? It's our greatest victory is knowing that at the end of all this, we have eternal life with Jesus. So the enemy obviously wants us to, to doubt our salvation, right? He's going to throw lies in there. Did what really happened on the cross really happen? Do you really get saved because of the cross, right? Do you really have eternal life with Jesus, right? He starts to come at you with those accusations, okay? The sword is the word of God. Now, the, the Roman sword was a smaller sword. It was about 24 inches, all right? All the other armies back then were, were dealing with longer swords, which would make sense, you know? If I'm in battle, I'm like, give me the, the biggest weapon so I don't have to get close to that person who's trying to take me out, right? Like, I want my distance from that person. But the Romans, though, they had a smaller sword. Again, 24 inches. They had to be so trained with their weapon. They had to be so good with that sword. They had to be able to block that first blow from the enemy so they could get in close. Right? They had to be so good, so trained. And that's like us with the Word of God. The Word of God is our, our Bible, right? We need to be so good with this. Trained and trained in the Word of God so that when the enemy comes, you can just knock that blow away and you can go right at it. That's when you say amen again. All right? Psalm 119, 11, it says, David's like, I hide your word in my heart. I hide God's word in my heart, not in a notebook, you know? Notebooks can be great, right? It's good to write things in your notebook. But when I need to know a word, I'm not going to be able to spend time and time like, oh my goodness, like where's that word I've written down, right? It's not good. I have all these notebooks. They all have words in them. But again, like, oh, jeez. But again, like, how good is it if I can't find the word I wrote down, that Bible verse that I'm like, oh, I know I wrote it down. I know I wrote that down like a week ago, but which journal did I write it in, right? I have like 20 journals at home, and I don't remember which journal I wrote it in, right? Again, writing it down, I'm not saying that's bad, right? It's a good thing to write it down because it helps us memorize it, right? But what, again, what I want to get across is that we need to have the word in our heart, Okay, so when that day of battle comes, when you're like, man, I'm really feeling discouraged today, you can just pull it out, right? It's on your tool belt. You can just pull it out and not have to search through that journal, search through that journal of where was that word that I written out? Yeah, I hope that was dramatic enough this morning. Amy didn't even know that was happening. I had to make sure I didn't hit anybody in that front row. Um, Make your, sure your, your shoes are fitted for the gospel of peace, right? Footwork is extremely important. You know, if you were, you know, into boxing, wrestling, any sort of sports and stuff like that, they always talk about your footwork. You need to be good on your feet. You need to be steady on your feet, right? So that's kind of like the, the main glimpse of the arm, armor of God, right? You do a Google search, generally what comes up are those main points, but a lot of times we miss one 
and it's in verse 18. It's our heavy artillery. So if you're writing things down this morning, you write here this heavy artillery this morning, okay? One of the main things with a, like a military battle is that ground support. This is action at a distance, okay? And it's prayer, okay? It's not something necessarily that we are putting on ourselves, right? But again, it's that ground support. It's setting up that battle, which is our prayer. And to be totally honest this morning, I'm going to be real with you guys a few times, is that this is probably one of my biggest struggles, is praying. Especially when I first came to Jesus. I was just like, man, I can't pray. I don't know what to say. These people there, like, prayers are so beautiful. They're, like, 20 minutes long. Mine's, like, 10 seconds long, right? I had all these inadequacies about praying, about talking out loud. And that's just talking out loud, let alone in my own God time. I was just like... God, you probably don't want to hear what I have to say. I had a really bad view of who God was at the time, probably, obviously. But again, it was such attack from the enemy because the enemy doesn't want you praying, right? Prayer is so powerful. And it says in, uh, I was going to say Romans, in Ephesians there, don't just pray for yourself, but pray for other brothers and sisters, right? Not just in this room, in Redding, California, right? praying for them, praying for people and all over the world. And it's easy to see, like, we don't see the results of those prayers sometimes. So it's easy to think to yourself, well, my prayers aren't going to mean a whole lot, right? Like, I'm not going to see that person being blessed in Ready, California because I'm not over there, right? But what's the difference between us feeling that a prayer is not answered compared to not praying at all? And I picked that up from somebody. I wrote it down on my phone, but I can't remember who said it. But again, what's the difference between not saying the prayer because we don't see the result of it instead of not praying at all, right? At least we can do is pray. And then this is almost like a side note. It's one of those things that if you uh, were hiking along the Bruce Trail and you see all these side trails going or bunny trails, right? This is a bunny trail. This is a side trail we could go on, uh, but it's a game changer. At least in my life, it was a game changer is that when Paul is telling them to pray for him, he's just like, pray for me for more boldness, right? Paul writes them, tells them, pray for me for more boldness. So he's in prison here, right? And what I find so beautiful about it is that he's not saying, pray for me that my chains would just miraculously fall off, that I would supernaturally like be out of here now, right? He's praying for more boldness. So many times in our life, I know I do this a lot, it's just like, God, just supernaturally take me out of here. Instead of like, oh God, maybe you have me here for a reason. Maybe I should start praying that, God, how about, you know, give me boldness where I am right now today. Instead of, you know, complaining about where I am. I, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a guy, I complain a lot. You know, you can ask Amy, like, I'm a, I'm a good complainer, right? You know? No, I, I'm being hard on myself. But honestly, though, it's just like change our mindset this morning instead of complaining where we are, that we start to, like, God, give me boldness where I am right now. Okay? All right, we're going to move forward. Jesus is led to the desert, led into the wilderness. Okay? So he just gets baptized. We just did baptisms last Sunday. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Jordan, she was baptized like the weekend before that, which was incredible, right? Baptisms are so powerful. All right, so Jesus gets baptized. He's led into the wilderness, full of the Holy Spirit. 
being led into the wilderness to be tempted, or what I like to say is being tested in the wilderness, right? So there's a couple of things here that we want to pull forward this morning. Uh, one is that sometimes our greatest attack comes when you have this crazy encounter with the Holy Spirit, right? So Jesus gets full of the Holy Spirit. He's led into the wilderness to be tested. Elijah, uh, with the prophets of Baal, right? He had this huge, you know, battle with the, the prophets of Baal where the 450 prophets of Baal have this altar of wood, and they're like, who's God's real? And so they're going to be like, who's God can light up that fire of wood? And they're all dancing around, cutting themselves, and Elijah's just there having a good old time, laughing at them and stuff like that. And then when it comes time for Elijah, he digs a huge trench around his altar, fills it up with water, puts some more water on it, because why not? My God's amazing. And just like that, the altar's gone, right? Fire, boom. I was like, amen. Come on. And then what happens? Jezebel threatens his life, and he runs for the hills. And I'm like, this is such a beautiful story. It's so real life. That's just like, all of a sudden, like this amazing man, and I'm like reading this story for the first time. I remember reading for the first time. I'm like jumping up and down, going crazy. Like, this has actually happened. And then next thing you know, it's just like, man, I'm, I'm terrified. I'm gone, right? And so, again, just because we have these amazing God encounters doesn't mean we're not going to be tested, right? We're not going to be tempted. Okay, so the other thing is that, so Jesus is in the wilderness. He's in the desert there. He gets extremely hungry. 40 days, whether he's fasting or just trying to live off the land, whatever it is, but he's, it says he's extremely hungry, okay? And again, he's, the enemy waits for this. The enemy, so it's like, oh, I'm not going to tempt him when he first comes in, but he waits for him to be hungry. Because again, me, you don't mess with me when I'm hungry, you know? If I'm hungry, I'm vulnerable, right? I'm irritable, maybe. Again, I'm being so hard on myself this morning. I'm not like this. Um, I'm just trying to get my point across, okay? But again, <laughs> the enemy waits for that moment because that's probably when Jesus is going to be at one of his weaker points, right? Is when he's hungry. So the enemy sees an open door, and he's just like, now's the time to go do it. All right? And then what does Jesus do, obviously? The enemy comes in, tries to twist scripture around, all these kind of things, and Jesus does what? Speaks what? Speaks the word, right? Quotes scripture. So again, knowing our word, right? All right. So we want to have more God encounters, right? We want to have more power. We need more encounters with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lorelai's not here, but a few weeks ago she shared this amazing testimony of being in L.A., right? Amazing things happening, you know, prayed for somebody with cancer, nothing happened, or at least not then anyways, right? Maybe felt a little defeated maybe at that time. Comes back here, they have this amazing ministry going on in Cambridge on Monday nights at 5.30, I believe, uh, and they, her and Amanda prayed for somebody with cancer and got healed, Right? So all of a sudden now, whenever she meets somebody with cancer, guess what? Cancer, watch out. You know, she's on another level, right? That power is so much higher. She has so much more faith to go after it. And so for us, we need to be plugged into our source at all times. Again, I'm bringing this back to food because I love food. I don't know if I had breakfast this morning. But, um, you know, we need to be plugged into our source. So I have a fridge at home. 
as I'm sure a lot of us do, right? What's the purpose of the fridge? Keep food cold. So when I go home today, and my lovely wife Amy here is going to make me a beautiful, wonderful trifle this morning because, you know, she's not like nine months pregnant or anything like that, right? But when she makes me this, this, this like little, when she makes me this wonderful trifle this this morning or this afternoon, it's got to go in the fridge. It's got to stay cold. Now the the only downside of this story is that if the fridge wasn't cold, I'd have to eat it all, which is okay too. But again, the purpose of the fridge is to stay cold, right? Keep my food cold. And if it's not doing that, it's not really serving its purpose, right? And just like us with God, if we are not connected to our source, we're not going to be quite acting at 100% capacity, are we? If we're not living each and every day being connected to him, you know, I'm not moving in the power that I could be. You know, I'm not running that fastest mile that I really want. So there's a difference between knowing and acting, okay? So I can go online, I can research the best running shoes out there. You know, say I need to buy a new pair of running shoes, I can do all the research, I can take days researching good running shoes, right? And I go to the store, talk to the salesperson, they're like, yep, the shoe for what you want, it's gonna be your best bet, okay? So I buy them, I take them home, I'm excited for them, I put them by the front door, I'm like, yep, Tomorrow morning, 5 a.m., after Amy wakes me up, I'm going to do that, you know. I'm going to go for a run, right? And next day comes, 5 a.m., I'm like, oh, no way. Sorry, sorry, Milton, I'm sleeping in. Um, but no, like, it's just excuses become too easy. I'm like, another day passes. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like, what's another day going to hurt, right? I'll, I'll wait another day. Weeks go by, months go by, I don't use these brand new pairs of shoes that I know are really good. It's just like the armor of God. I can know that I know that I know that it's really good. I know that I know that I know that it's really important for me to put these things on each and every day. But if I don't actually put my feet in those shoes and go for the run, I'm not going to get the results that I want. You know? So if I don't put on the armor of God, again, what good is it doing if I'm not putting it on? Okay? So it's important to remember it's one thing to own it, but it's another thing to actually wear it. Okay? And again, last time I spoke, I had a, a hashtag for you. That's your hashtag this morning, okay? It's one thing to own, it's another thing to wear it. All right? All right. Another place where authority comes from is our identity in Jesus. All right? We are powerful believers when we know our true identity as sons and daughters. Okay? Who does the Bible say that we are, right? I'm like, somebody asked me, Adam, who are you? Well, I'm a pastor. That's what I do, right? It's like, well, no. Pastoring is my job, maybe. But that's not who I am. Who I am is a child of God. Adam, I'm, I'm, I'm really tired today. You know, Amy asked me, she gets up, how are, like, you know, I'm really tired today. That's not who I am. That's how I'm feeling. Okay? You are loved. When's the last time you had somebody say that you're loved? God says it every day. He's saying it all the time. You are loved. Okay? Psalm 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, my thoughts for you outnumber the grains of sand. Those are God's words to you this morning, right? Ephesians 2.10, you are God's masterpiece. 
1 John 3, 1, God loves to lavish his love onto his children. You are a child, okay? How well do you think the enemy is going to be able to attack you and I if we are so confident in who we are? We're putting on the armor each and every day. I'm so confident that I know who I am as a son and daughter. The enemy is going to try to attack us still, right? Again, we're not acceptable to it. But how much stronger, how much better, well-equipped are we when we know those things and actually are doing something about it? Okay? So in the, I'm going to use this analogy here, like, in the natural realm here, I'm, you know, I'm six foot two, 200 and plus pounds, okay? We won't say the exact number this morning. But in the spiritual realm, I'm like seven feet tall, 250 pounds of muscle, and I pretty much look like Thor, all right? So I got my haircut yesterday from Melissa. I'm like, must I need a Thor haircut because I have a reference to Thor this morning, okay? But you don't mess with me when that's how I feel, right? When you feel powerful, it's just like nothing can stand in your way. Because the lion, as it says in 1 Peter 5, he's looking for the weak. He's looking for those people that are alone, right? And then if, again, to be totally honest with you guys, like this week, you know, I've had several people actually ask me today, how, how was my week? And I didn't give you 100% truth because I wanted to talk about it this morning. I was just like, to be totally honest with you guys, if I can be, is that okay? You know, I had an awful week. You know, it was just one of those weeks where I was just like, oh my goodness, I, I don't know what's going on. And I don't know if it was from years of me just like not being in touch with my emotions or whatever it was, but it wasn't until like Friday or something like that or Thursday. You know, I'm a very easy person to read. When you know me, you're like, what's wrong? Like Amy, I think it was Thursday or whatever. She's like, what's going on, you know? Uh, because again, I kind of wear my emotions on my sleeve. And I was like, to be honest, I don't know what's going on. Like I'm going through all these emotions this week and I'm just like, I'm struggling. And then all of a sudden, like, talking to her really helped because she's like, well, have you talked to God about it? I'm like, oh, man, I love that question. It's right on. But I'm like, I've been spending a lot of God time because I'm speaking this week. So I'm like, but I was so concerned about writing my message that I wasn't thinking about my heart. I wasn't putting on my armor this week. I wasn't praying about my stuff as I was praying about my message. I was so consumed about my message and I wasn't thinking about myself, right? So it was like Thursday night or Friday where it was just like Holy Spirit like smacked me across the head and like woke me up and like, you know, he doesn't obviously smack me, but like, you know, that light bulb that goes on in your head is like, Adam, you're not doing what you're telling, asking other people to do. You know, you need to put on that armor each and every day, right? You need to be in prayer. You need to guard your heart, okay? And... You know, the attack of the enemy is like doing dishes. You know, as a father of three, another one on the way, you do the dishes, five minutes later you come back, and there's a whole nother whack of dishes. It's like by 9.30 in the morning, I've done dishes like three times. I dried them, put them away so Amy doesn't have to worry about it. I'm like, man, this constantly dishes all the time. Right? And sometimes you feel overwhelmed. You feel surrounded by those dirty dishes, right? It's just like, man, how am I going to get away? I'm being totally honest. I felt this like the other day. I was just like, I even complained to Amy when she got up. I was like, man, it's 930 and I've already done the dishes that many times. I'm like, what's going on? You know? But we stand firm with our washcloth in our hands. 
right? And you scrub those dirty dishes. You be persistent and you get it done. Oh, we stand firm in our faith, though, right? But it doesn't matter how many times we do those dishes. It doesn't matter how many times we do the laundry. There's always, it's always there. It's coming, coming back, right? And sometimes it's dirtier than other times and stuff like that. You can take that lots of ways. All right, 2 Timothy 1, 7. We live not with a spirit of fear, but with love and a sound mind, okay? So again, one of the biggest things I want to get across this morning is that we don't live in fear of the enemy, all right? And there is a great verse for you, 2 Timothy 1, 7. We don't live a spirit of fear. Say that out loud. We do not live with a spirit of fear, but of love. Yeah. All right, we have victory through Jesus. The only power the enemy has over us is the power that we give the enemy. Okay, when I start to believe those lies, when I start to not put on my arm, when I start doing all those things, that's the power I'm giving the enemy. Okay, the enemy doesn't have any power over me. And so we're going to wrap this up. But I want to ask you a few other questions this morning. Do you have an arsenal of, dis- of Scripture at your disposal? All right, if you don't have an arsenal of scripture at your disposal this morning, I want you to work on that. Okay, you want a step to move forward this morning? That's a big step, is having that arsenal of scripture at your disposal. Okay, Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon of the enemy will be formed against me, right? 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in me than of the world. Luke 10, 19, God has given us all authority and power over the enemy. Romans 8, 11, for the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, in each and every one of us. All right, so have those scriptures in your heart, not just in your notebooks, okay? So I'm going to get you guys to stand up. If I can get Melissa, she's going to come and play some music in the background for me here. We want to pray. I want to give Holy Spirit that chance this morning just to come this morning and increase that level of power that we walk in this morning. So I'm going to get you guys to close your eyes here. Something that we were, I was feeling this week when it came to ministry was that, you know, Jacob, he fought the angel all through the night, right? And he wasn't letting go of the angel until the angel blessed him. And for me, I have an older brother, and we would wrestle all the time, and it was exhausting, right? Like a couple of minutes of of brawling around, like you're exhausted, it's tiring. But Jacob fought that angel all night. And he's like, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I think one of our things is that We like to give up too early. Things get hard and we're like, oh, God's not in it. It's hard, right? If God was in it, it'd be really easy. But sometimes we need to be persistent. So this morning I felt like God's got a word for each and every one of us this morning. You know, so I want to give you just a couple of minutes right now and just like, God, what's my word? You know, if I've been speaking some stuff over my life that hasn't been good, God wants to replace that word this morning with a word that he has specifically for you this morning. 